Our text for today is Matthew chapter 18, verses 1 through 5, and then verses 10 to 14, and then in chapter 19, verses 13 to 15. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Then he called a little child over to sit among the disciples and said, I assure you, if you don't turn your lives around and become like this little child, you will definitely not enter the kingdom of heaven. Those who humble themselves like this little child will be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. Be careful that you don't look down on one of these little ones. I say to you that their angels in heaven are always looking into the face of my Father who is in heaven. What do you think? If someone had a hundred sheep and one of them wandered off, wouldn't he leave the ninety-nine on the hillside and go in search of the one that wandered off? If he finds it, I assure you that he is happier about having that one sheep than about the ninety-nine who didn't wander off. In the same way, my Father in heaven doesn't want to lose one of these little ones. Some people brought children to Jesus so that he would place his hands on them and pray. But the disciples scolded them. Allow the children to come to me. Jesus said, don't for forbid them, because the kingdom of heaven belongs to people like these children. Then he blessed the children and went away from there. God be in our listening. God be in our understanding. Amen. A lot of times when we adults tell these stories, to each other, to other adults, we romanticize children. Children are full of wonder. Children are full of awe. Children notice things we don't notice. Children love wholeheartedly and have a deep sense of justice. Children play. And all of that is true and beautiful. And also, everything has a flip side. Children are full of wonder, which means they ask questions, and more questions, and more questions. Children are wonderful at noticing things, which is great. It slows us down until we're trying to get somewhere at a certain time. Children have a deep sense of justice, which I love, until it's me they're calling out. 
children play freely, spontaneously, which is delightful until it is time to go to bed. If nothing else, children have a knack for bringing what adults call chaos. I get where the disciples are coming from. Like any adult who has ever cared for a child, I have spent inordinate amounts of time hiding in the bathroom so that I can have just a minute of peace. Jesus is very important and very busy. I don't want to bother him with these shenanigans. But to Jesus, they're not a bother. They're the point. If you're a kid, I want you to hear that part today. To Jesus, you are never a bother. Never an annoyance. You never play too much. You're the ones we should be learning from. One of the saddest things I've experienced in church is that almost everyone I know, clergy or parishioner, who has worked to nurture children, to bring them up in the church, has heard someone say, I want our church to grow. I want more young families. I love seeing all the children. And then, later, heard that same person say, man, they're noisy. Why won't their parents take them out? Y'all, the gospel call is not necessarily easy or dignified. It's not all puppies and sunshine and happy days and Jesus loves me. It's hard. Genuinely welcoming children is a challenge to all our cultural values of efficiency, getting things done, producing something, succeeding. Children need stuff all the time. And they express those needs. They need help. They can't do everything by themselves. They slow things down. They do not contribute to productivity or getting things done or getting ahead. In fact, they seem at times to actively work against all of that. And we need that. We so desperately need that. Jesus pushes the point. He doesn't just like kids. He doesn't just want us to include them. He wants us to imitate kids. Be like them. 
What if we were to do that? What if we were to act our shoe size, not our age, for a change? What if we were to acknowledge we have needs and express them? What if we were to ask for help for the things we can't do very well by ourselves? What if we were to give up the lie that we have it put together, pulled together? What if we were to slow down and loosen our grip on all those measures of success that we hold ourselves to? It is inconvenient. It is inefficient. It is scary to ask for help. Just imagine how tender would we become. Current work and thought around disability and neurodivergence, different ways of thinking, makes these same points from another angle. A great deal of the physical and psychological suffering that goes along with physical disability is not due to the disability itself, but rather to how the world is arranged. A built environment that does not allow full participation, privileging some forms of communication over others. To folks who are temporarily able-bodied, too often, all of this is thought of as complications, extra steps, new codes we have to meet. The truth is, most of us who are temporarily able-bodied are terrified of the dependence and vulnerability that come with disability. And having a brain that thinks differently from what is considered typical, autism or ADHD or dyslexia, Down syndrome, can make it difficult to function in what we think of as productive society. A great deal of that suffering is caused by ideas of how we should think. Little Albert Einstein was apparently quite the handful. He had epic meltdowns. He resisted potty training. He didn't say his first word until he was three. His teachers thought he would never learn anything. At nine, he was still struggling to speak in complete sentences. In our world, wouldn't be the same without him. His little brain was working on other stuff. A beloved community needs everybody. Everybody. Slow and fast, Big and small, running and rolling, 
so-called typical and not. And it's not that there's some us that deigns to include poor them. We're all us. We're all in need. We all need help. People who do not fit the norm of being high-achieving, competitive, productive, entirely self-sufficient, physically fit, and conventionally attractive, which is all of us, bring tremendous gifts. Not just in their strength, which is amazing, in the weaknesses, too. I have been fortunate, like many of you, to get to spend time with people who are experiencing dementia. And so I get to hear stories over and over and over again. And it is a privilege because so often those stories are stories of gratitude. There are a lot of you who come through the line the end of worship week after week and tell me again and again how grateful you are for your children or your parents or your spouse, whether they are living or deceased. I want to grow into that kind of repetition of gratitude. I once had the opportunity to welcome a new member into a church. His name was Rugi. Rugi had Down syndrome and refused to be baptized. It wasn't exactly clear why Rugi wasn't willing to be baptized. Maybe scared of water. There was some sense that perhaps someone had told him along the way that he couldn't because he couldn't say the right words. We don't know. But he wanted to join the church. And so Rugi came to session, like everybody else did. And when it was his turn to give his statement of faith, he said four or five times, Jesus loves Rugi. Jesus loves Rugi. Jesus loves Rugi. You're supposed to be baptized to join the church. Every rule book says so. That session voted unanimously to welcome Rugi into full membership. We needed him. I need his testimony. I want to grow into it. I learn from it. And children, children slow things down. I have been sorely tested trying to hike with children. It can take two hours to cover a mile. I like to get places. I want to get to the top of the mountain. And Joseph, my spouse, more than once has had to say, Sarah, you preach a lot about not getting things done and not being productive. 
How about you try that now? <laughs> Children can be noisy and disruptive to what we think is the point. It's happened more than once when leading worship that I've been interrupted by kids. It's happened more than once during the prayer before communion, which is often a really long prayer, that I've been interrupted by a child whining or whispering or even yelling, I'm hungry! Which is the point, right? It's a more true prayer than all the fancy words I was heaping up. I wish... When that happened, I had stopped and said, Amen. Jesus, we're hungry. Feed us. What if we were as tender with ourselves and each other and the world as we are when we wipe tears from children's cheeks? What if we were as willing to ask for help as a kid learning to tie their shoes? What if we let ourselves fall apart into each other's arms? What if we let care be reciprocal, back and forth? Would we grow softer, gentler, more Christ-like? We'd be slower and probably less successful by the standards we're accustomed to. But we might find, just maybe, the kingdom of heaven. Amen.